Previously on In My Mind, Everybody Knows Chris. It's your boy C. Will Holler, a.k.a. The Podfather, a.k.a. The Professional Conversationalist, a.k.a. The Hardest Working Man in Podcasting. And when I tell y'all I'm out here working hard, I'm out here grinding. But nothing brings me a greater joy and a, a huge pleasure than sharing my platform with my friends. So this particular podcast is extremely special to me because this guy, I mean, we go way back like throwbacks. This dude has known me for well over a great portion of my life, well over 30 years. My boy, Robert Williams, a.k.a. Rob Bass, a.k.a. The Otter Bass, is an extremely talented artist. And like I said, nothing brought me greater joy than to share my platform with my friends. As they say, your gifts make room for you and put you in the presence of great men and women and my gifts truly have made room for me and put me in the presence of some great people so please press play tune in listen pick up the jewels that we drop in this particular podcast enjoy It's your boy C. Will Holler, a.k.a. The Pop Father, a.k.a. The Professional Conversationalist, a.k.a. The Hardest Working Man in Podcasting. And you are now listening to In My Mind, Everybody Knows Chris. Enjoy. If your gifts make room for you and put you in the presence of great men and women, your character has to speak for you. <laughs> it's been a long time coming, but I know a change is going to come. My boy Blanchard just posted his most recent episode of the Dirty Soapbox and I couldn't be more happy, I couldn't be more excited, I couldn't be more glad that he did that. Because I myself haven't podcasted in a long time. I haven't podcasted in almost two weeks. You know, I've had a lot going on in my life. I've had a lot going on 
in the background. And every now and then when there are so many different moving parts in your life, you look for signs, you look, you look for signals, you look for direction, guidance. And usually it comes in the most arbitrary forms, fashions, you know, it just comes out of nowhere. You know, listening to Abraham Hicks one time, she said, it doesn't come out of nowhere. It, it comes out of the oblivious, but it doesn't come from out of anywhere. And quiet is kept. I've been waiting for a sign. I've been waiting for a signal. My boy was just podcasting about his gifts making room for him and how they gave him a new position at his job based on his character. And think about how poignant that is. Think about how powerful that is. Your gifts make room for you and only you and puts you in the presence of great people. Now your gifts making room for you, that means that gift is proprietary to you. So therefore the room that has been made is custom fitted, tailor-made for you. (laughs) No one else could sit at that seat. No one else has a place. It's like a jigsaw puzzle. That's only for you. And I thought that was so powerful and even more to the point, I thought that that message was specifically for me. You know how it is when you go to church. (laughs) No matter how big the congregation is, you always think pastor talking directly to you, but he is or she is. Everybody hears the message. But the messenger is specifically speaking to you. Because in that message, there's information, there's a sign, there's a signal. There's a word, tailor-made, custom-fitted. Woo! As my boy Ric Flair would say. Custom-made. Just for you. And I'm having a hard time holding these Jordans down. (laughs) Because my gifts have made room for me and put me in the presence of great people. You know, he also had a message in his podcast giving, you know, thanks and honor and praise to all the podcasters out there. We're linked to some great people. Online and offline. We're linked to some great people. And I'm so happy and excited that my gifts have made room for me. Welcome to In My Mind. Everybody knows Chris. Message. It's your boy, C. Will Holler, a.k.a. The Father, a.k.a. The Professional Conversationalist, a.k.a. The Hardest Working Man in Podcasting. And I hope this message finds everyone doing supremely well this morning. And thank you for tuning in to this new version of Morning Commute. It's been a while since I've done one of these, and um, I've had a lot going on for the past couple weeks. And 
these things were not planned, but they were kind of planned. <laughs> and I'll tell you what I mean by that. I was planting a lot of seeds last year. You know, there were a lot of things going on in my life, a lot of things, a lot of shifting going on. And, you know, that's what you kind of got to do in life. You got to break up what's going on currently to get to the new stuff, right? You can't do the same old thing and expect different results. They say that's the definition of insanity. But um, I'm on my way to work this morning and a friend of mine, my co-hosting partner of Wednesday Groove, Miss Mika Joy, sent me a podcast. I want to give her a special shout out and thank her for doing that because I really needed this message that she sent me and it was a version of Super Soul Sunday from Oprah. And I believe the title of that is New Earth. And I would advise anyone listening to this particular podcast to go listen to that particular podcast. (laughs) And it was a message well received because it was an on-time message. I so needed to hear what was said and what was spoken and what was revealed and what was shared in that podcast. And as I'm driving into the office... Because I got a lot of big things going on, you know. I got a lot of irons in the fire, as they say. I realized something. And I know Mika had done a podcast about shifting season. And I was currently going through a shifting season. And I believe that shift was, for me, personally, realizing that I needed to shift my energy and my focus off of what I needed and I needed to shift my energy and my focus into where I was needed. And there's a difference. There's a huge difference with that. When you're shifting your energy from what you need and change and focus your energy on where you need it, you're not isolating yourself. You become a part of the bigger picture. You know, you're, you're in alignment when you do that. When you shift that energy from off of what you need and when you're willing to go where you're needed, you become a part of the story. And I think that's everyone's purpose in life because everyone is trying to find that one particular thing that makes them want to get out of bed in the morning. Everyone is looking for their purpose. I mean, that's the mission of life, to find your purpose, right? And they say, I know I've said that in life, right? Once you find your passion, you'll find your purpose. And once you find your purpose, you'll find your peace. And I believe that. And I think the only way you can find your purpose in life is if you allow yourself to go and to be where you're needed. I think, you know, at the very core of our initial consciousness, we're trying to constantly fulfill a need, right? And, you know, when you get out of college, the first thing you're looking for is a job, right? Because you need to pay them bills. You need to get back in, in alignment with that sense of security, right? But there's always a sense of uncertainty and I think that's what we go through in life because we see this at different moments in society right there's a low sense of of security and then there's a high sense of security I remember when I was young I had a very low sense of security right I wasn't really looking to be secure because the things that were going on in my life at that point in time were pretty static you know they were pretty standard you know but I did have some turmoil when I was young you know, I shifted from moving and, and, and being with my mom to moving in and being with my grandparents. And that was a big shift for me because, you know, if you're in these different households, 
you got different rules. And when I was with my mom, we didn't really have a lot of rules. But then when I went with my grandparents, oh, they had a ton of rules. <laughs> and one of the main rules in, in that household was going to church, right? And at the point in time, you know, I, when I was young, I really enjoyed going to church because all my friends were there, all my cousins were there, all my family was there. You know, I enjoyed the music, I enjoyed the service, but, you know, like I said, I just really wasn't, you know, bucking the system at that time. But as I began to get older, there were there was something else calling my life. There was something else just pulling on me. And church at that point in time wasn't getting it done. So I didn't want to be there anymore, you know, and that came with a sense of turmoil because my grandfather, again, in his household, everybody who stayed there under a certain age um, had to go to church. So it began to create some friction between my grandfather and I. And I couldn't articulate it at the time. But what I was trying to get him to understand is I had filled my cup up. I was no longer needed in that building. I was no longer needed in that area. You know, my focus wasn't there anymore. So I wanted to go where I was needed. And, you know, for a long period of time, like we fell out and actually that end up that ended up with me moving out at a very, very, very young age. And I wasn't ready for that. And now that I'm looking back on that, I actually realized and I would never say that I was homeless. But I technically was homeless at that point in time, uh, you know, but I ended up crashing with a friend for, you know, about six, seven months. And what that ended up doing and that really allowed me to shift my energy and my focus off of what I needed. And it allowed me to go where I was needed. And I remember that sense of being needed was met with gratitude because I felt appreciated I felt wanted, I felt, you know, in alignment with my purpose. And when that time ran up and I was no longer needed in that situation, here comes that same sense of turmoil, unease, right? Uh, and then I had to realize, okay, where do I need to go from here? And when things turned out, or when I would say when things turned up negative, I realized quickly, okay, then I need to get out of this situation, even though I was comfortable, right? And I think a lot of people confuse those two things. A lot of people confuse peace and comfort. They are not the same. Matter of fact, they are polar opposites. Just because things are peaceful doesn't mean they're comfortable. And just because things are comfortable doesn't mean they're peaceful. A lot of us are living in comfort zones. You see what I'm saying? We are going to jobs that we hate, but we're comfortable. We're with people that we don't like, but we're comfortable, you know, and I don't think that's the purpose of life. Being comfortable is not a purpose of life. Being comfortable could be a byproduct of life, but as a wise man once said, there are no atheists in foxholes. So I think life comes with a certain sense of uncertainty, you know, I think, and that's where the cutting edge is. And I've learned to live my life on the cutting edge, right? On the margin out here with some risk and there's a sense of excitement that comes with that and there's a sense of purpose that comes with that because usually when you are doing things in life that come with some risk that means you're doing things in life that comes with you being needed
Message. My boy Blanchard just posted his podcast called Character Over Characteristics. And this is a saying that he and I both say. And that message came to me a few years ago. We were at the gym one day. And we're sitting at the gym and I quickly realized something. When we were at the gym, everybody's picking teams who they want to play with, you know, and they picking people based on their characteristics, right? We used to have a statement called baller swag, right? Folks come to the gym and what baller swag is, is you got all the swag. And I don't mean swag like it's a flavor of sauce. I'm talking about swag like tchotchkes, <laughs> trinkets, fake hustle. You got all the stuff that somebody would have when they look like a baller. You know, you got the shoes, you got the shorts, you got the shirt, you got the headband, you got the, the arm sleeve, the knee brace. You look like a baller. You look like you can hoop. But one thing about that game of basketball is ball don't lie. You going to get exposed. <laughs> They're going to find out sooner or later if you can play. And I mean, you got all kinds of people coming to this gym to play basketball. You got NBA players, you had and one players, you had collegiate players, you had college athletes, you had intramural athletes. You had all these different kinds of people coming to this gym trying to play that game. And I love the game of basketball because to me, the game of basketball is very synonymous to life. I mean, you can take any particular sport and make it relevant to life. But to me, that game of basketball is specifically aligned and synonymous with life. And the reason why I believe that basketball is more synonymous to life because of the flow of the game. I mean, it's constant up and down, back and forth, five on five, full court, four quarters, 12 minutes a quarter, so many different things that just correlate to life. You know, when you're on a team, you got to play together to win. You could be a great individual player, but if your supporting cast or the people that's on your team aren't just as good or as smart or as willing as you are to win, they're not dedicated to winning, you're not going to win. I don't care how good you are. And we've seen that time and time again. How many great basketball players did we know that was just stuck and relegated to bad teams? And sometimes the best player on the team was the worst player on the team when it came to attitude, personality, contribution. See, a lot of us in life are blessed with talent. But your talent isn't necessarily your gift. And I think a lot of people get that confused. Now, your talents are natural God-given abilities, but I don't think that's your gift. You see, somebody being born with the ability to grow to 6'3", 6'4", 6'5", to me that's not a talent. Being tall is not a talent. But it's an ability. Because when you're taller than most people, you can do things that most people can't do. 
And being physically able to do something is a talent, but it's not a gift. I believe your gifts are your internal attributes, are the things that you can't teach. Having character is a gift. Being a person of character is a gift. That's a God-given gift. Because there's a lot of people that have physical talent, even mental talent. But it's not a gift. So when the Bible says your gifts make room for you, that's not going to come at a detriment to you. That's going to come with increase. And it's a lot of people that have physical talents and mental talents that have been detrimental to their lives because they misuse them. But when you're blessed with character, you're going to use that and that's going to benefit you. As the Bible and my boy said, if your gifts make room for you and put you in the presence of great men and women, your character is going to speak for you. I joined this organization back in 2015 called ITSMF, and that stands for Information Technology Senior Management Forum. And there's an older guy who came to speak to our class by the name of Harvey Coleman. Harvey Coleman was a black man, or is a black man because he's still with us, is a black man who worked for IBM back in the 60s. Can you imagine the type of strength and character that this man had to have to exist in corporate America in the 60s at IBM, he had to be a man of tremendous character. And I know he was a man of tremendous character because when he came to speak to that class, I said to myself, my God, when I'm that man's age, because he was well in his 70s, he never took a break. He never sat down. He never needed a moment of rest. He remembered everybody's name, head full of hair, mouth full of teeth, <laughs> This dude was beaming light. And I said, my God, my gifts have made room for me and put me in the presence of this great man. It was a blessing to hear from Harvey that day. It was an honor to hear from Harvey that day. And my gifts had made room for me to the point where he taught us a methodology that I will never forget. And that methodology is solely based on character. It was called the pie model. And pie being broken down into three parts. You have performance, you have image, and you have exposure. So P-I-E. And oftentimes when I ask people, if you had to break that down into a third, equaling 100%, how much would you attribute to P? How much would you attribute to I? And how much would you attribute to the E. Again, performance, image, and exposure. And most people say, well, yeah, honestly, and obviously you got to give more weight to the P. Everything is correlated to the P. And I ain't talking about OPP <laughs> or ITP or OTP. And talk about performance. And again, I'm saying your physical abilities and talents aren't your gifts. And you know why that is? Because 
most people put more weight on the performance part and that's not the case performance is based on 10% of your contribution of your person of your being only 10% of what you do is attributed based on that model and that made all the sense in the world to me because I know so many people that have ability I know so many people that have talent and I remember my coach Rich I remember my high school coach coach Richardson used to say that all the time you know what talent mean to me it mean you ain't shit today (laughs) so we lump all that together we talk about talent we talk about ability we talk about potential that's what he used to say you know what potential mean to me It mean you ain't shit today, but you have the potential to be the shit today. And again, here's where your gifts make room for you. Because you have to have the internal ability, the fortitude, the character to take the God given gifts that you have and the talent and the abilities that you have. To get out here in this thing called life and put your gifts to use, to put your talents to use. But again, I want to make that understood that performance is only 10 percent. So that moves us down to the eye image. What is that? Your image is basically your physical makeup. What you look like. And a lot of people are taken back on that because they feel like, you know, we live in this hypersensitive world where your appearance doesn't matter. And it doesn't necessarily mean your physical characteristics, but it's how you carry yourself. Do you have a good disposition? Do you keep yourself up? Do you take care of yourself? Do you cut your nails? Do you keep your hair cut, lined up, clean? Do you clean your nose? Do you brush your teeth? And y'all would be surprised how many grown-ass people don't do this stuff. I remember it was a guy who I used to work with, come to work with, cereal milk caked up in his beard and mustache. I thought it was the most disgusting thing ever. Not more disgusting than how he smelled. But, and again, this guy had talent. He was a super smart guy. Like, you could not question his mental ability. Very smart guy. Probably one of the smartest guys I've ever worked with in my life. But that wasn't a gift because it didn't make room for him. You know, I don't know if he was suffering from depression or something, but the dude did not wash his ass. (laughs) He come to work smelling horrible. Sometimes your abilities and your gifts, you know, don't correlate and I don't think again this guy's abilities didn't correlate with what his gifts was but at its core he was a good person he was a good person now I think his ability of being a good person is what made room for him but again like his mental abilities not necessarily was his gift but getting back to the image your image is only comprised of 30% right so when we add together 
both performance and image, we're only at 40% of the equation. Now, most people would be like, wait a minute, you mean to tell me if I have the ability and I have the God-given talent and I look good, that still ain't enough? Nope, it's not. I know a lot of good-looking dummies. <laughs> I do. It's true. I know a lot of people who are talented. I know a lot of people who have ability. But it doesn't necessarily mean that they're successful. So now that we have performance and image together, and that's only 40%, what do we have left over? We have the E. And that leaves us with 60%. And the reason why... E stands for exposure and E is left with 60% because the E is based on your character. It's based on your gifts, ability to speak for you when you can't speak for yourself. That is who you are. Your performance and your image, that's what you are. Your exposure, your character, your reputation, that's who you are. And like I said before, your character has to speak for you. And it's going to speak for you. You just got to mind yourself to make sure it's talking right. In today's podcast, we're specifically talking about your gifts making room for you. And not only do your gifts make room for you, but they put you in the presence of great men and women. But more importantly, we're also talking about your character and how your character has to speak for you. And there's a parable, a story, a message from the Bible that I love. And to me, this this story is solely based on character. It's the parable of the talents. And I've podcast about this particular story before because, again, I love the alliteration. I love the poignancy of the story. I love the point. I love the message. And for the sake of time, I'll quickly go through the story. The parable of the talents is based on three different characters message <laughs> and in this story you have three characters or workers and then we have a boss and in this story the boss is God or the great master as they call him and in this story the boss is going to be out of town for a while so he has to entrust work to the workers because he's not going to be there to manage the situation so in this story he basically gives each of the characters a task or a talent now back in those days a talent was synonymous with money so for the sake of this podcast I'm going to make it plain he gave one of the per people five talents he gave the other 
three talents and he gave the last guy one talent. And to me, the reason why this story is so poignant is because it's based on the character of each individual. And I think it's often overlooked one of the most important messages that come from this story. To me, one of the most important messages that comes from this story isn't about what these people did with their talents. I mean, that's important. But it was the amount of risk that came with using your talent because there was no guarantee that once you used your talent that it was going to have a return. And the reason why that stands out to me is because the one that had the most to lose did the most. (laughs) Or as I was talking to my aunt yesterday, the one that had the most to use had the most to lose. Nobody talks about that. The one who had five had the most to use. He had the most to lose. But he did the most. And as it goes, the one that had five put it to use. And the one that had three put it to use. And the one that had the least to use did the least. The one that had one talent buried his talent. And that's where the term comes from. Don't bury your talent. People say that all the time. Don't bury your talent. Don't bury your talent. I believe your ability to use your gifts and your talents is tantamount to your character. It's based on who you are. The reason why we love underdog stories is because those stories are solely based on the person's character. Disney has made billions of dollars making cartoons based on characters with character. The Little Mermaid, Aladdin, Lion King, Mulan, The Princess and the Frog. All of these stories are based on characters with character. And I want to get back to the story. So when the master came back, the person with the most to use that did the most and they had the most risk because they had the most to lose. The master told him, you did good with the little that I gave you, so I'm going to give you a lot. So I'm going to take the five that you used and the five that you gained and I'm going to give it all to you. And then he got to the the middle person, the second person. And then he said, okay, well, you put yours to use and you had a return. So guess what? I'm going to do right by you, too. I'm going to take what you used and what you gained, and I'm going to give that to you. And then he got to that last person. And the person said, well, I knew you was harsh. I knew you were stern. So I took mine and buried it so I could give it back to you. And the reason why that is so poignant and and you need to pay attention to it is because that person buried their talent based on the fear of losing. Now, keep in mind, again, they had the least to lose. (laughs) They had the least to use, but they also had the least to lose. And instead of getting out here and utilizing their gifts and their talents, they buried it. 
out of fear for losing it. And your talents are just like your muscle. You got to use it or lose it. And as the story goes, they lost it. Because the master said, oh, well, since you say I'm harsh, I'm going to show you how harsh I can be. Not only am I going to take your talent from you, I'm going to give it to the person that did the most. Because they had the most to lose, but they believed in themselves enough to put everything to use. So not only did they get the five that they gained, they got the one from the jug that buried it. So now they're walking away with 11. Not only that, the master said, not only that, I'm going to get you up out of here. I'm going to cast you out. Because people who don't use their talents, who abuse their talents, they're like a cancer. You got to get away from them. And the reason why the master did that, because he didn't want the other good workers being affected by that person's juggery. I was reading a little meme the other day that talked about rotten fruit the reason why you got to hurry up and cast the rotten fruit out because it's going to spoil the other fruit you've heard the adage one bad apple spoils the bunch one bad apple spoils the bunch message <laughs> see we got to be in this thing to win this thing we got to stop making life so hard life is not hard life is beautiful And I always say, not only is it important to have a story to tell, but it's important to have somebody to verify the facts. This thing is beautiful. I love that story because it's poignant and it's tied to exactly what we need to be thinking about. It's tied to our character. It's based on who we are, not what we are. People like to lead with their stats. Oh, I graduated from Harvard. I graduated from Yale. I'm 6'5". I'm light-skinned. I'm tall, dark, and handsome. I'm intelligent. My dad told me once, man, you can have more degrees than a thermometer. It don't mean shit. So stop basing your life on what you are and what you got and base it on who you are. And once you base your life on who you are, you can base your life on who you can become. That's most people's problem in life. They don't know who they are. They have no character. It's impossible to have character and not know who you are. They go hand in hand. And it's also impossible for you to have character and people not know who you are. Because everything they know about you is going to be based on your character. My boy just said they offered him a position based on his character. Shout out to He Is Blanche, a.k.a. Free Blanche. A.k.a. Blanche Stradamus. So like I said, base your life on your character. Base your life on who you are. And it'll make room for you. And not only will it make room for you, it's going to put you in the presence of great people. And not only will it put you in the presence of great people, it's going to speak for you when you can't speak for yourself. Mm -hmm.